Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by a commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have part one of another great two-part series and this time we've got these two-part series featuring the fabulous Nikki Katz. Nikki Katz is a business broker that's risen to the top of the Australian business broking world with a mission to shake up the industry with a modern perspective and a can-do attitude. She has also been the recipient of the REIA Australia National Business Broker of the Year Award for three years in a row. So in this episode, and our part two of this two-part series, Nikki discusses the secrets to successfully selling businesses. Here in part one, Nikki takes us through her journey of selling her previous businesses in the UK and then settling in Australia, where she was awarded the REIA Australian National Business Broker of the Year three years in a row, as I said before. And she also shares with us the lessons that she's learned along the way, the benefits of niching and the most important things to take note of when selling a business. So without further ado, here we go with part one of our two-part series with Nikki Katz. Nikki, I am so excited to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us at the Deal Room Podcast today. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is an absolute honour. Thank you, Joanna. Well, I am excited because when you and I start talking, my goodness, it just doesn't stop. Well, you're talking to Scottish women, so we talk to keep warm. So we just keep keep going, keep going and keep going. I love that, Nikki. I love it. And I love your energy. I love your enthusiasm. And so I guess there's some, you know, it, it probably isn't a massive sort of surprise why, um, you know, you've found the success that you have in business broking. But I really, you know, I, I want to talk about that success and I want to talk about awards and what all of that means um, as we move into the show. But maybe can we just kick it off perhaps by you giving us, you know, a bit of a background to Nikki Katz. Who, who are you? Where have you come from and how did you land in this world of business? Oh, yeah, well, yes, I, I arrived in Australia nine years ago. Um, I moved here with my family from Scotland and I was chasing your home and away lifestyle. So we watched Home and Away on TV and I had imagined that our lifestyle here was running down a beach and we're all bronzed and beautiful. And that was the Australian life. And I, you know, you just don't get sun in Scotland. So I decided that that was a that was a good move for me. And then, um, you know, moving here, I had to learn the landscape. I've owned my own businesses in Scotland and several of them. I've packaged them up to sell them through a broker. And so when I came here and arrived in Australia, I had to learn the landscape. I had to learn what the Australian economy was doing, what the business landscape was doing, and just look for opportunities. So... Um, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a crazy nine years. It's been fantastic. Oh, I love it. Okay, all right. So so just picking up on a couple of things that you talked about there. So firstly, you talked about um, having grown and sold businesses. What yeah. what were those businesses? Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah. Look, I was a little bit arrogant. I started off as one of those kids that knew everything, and um, <laughs> I started 
my career really early. So at 17, I started a little business. Um, I had the crazy idea I was going to have my own business. I wasn't going off to university because I was smart pants and knew everything. As you do when you're 17, you think you know it all. And, but I did start a small supply business um, going into elderly care homes. And what I did with that was elderly people who couldn't get out to shop, I took shops to them. Um, so basically, captive audience, you would say, they're all sitting there. Um, but the USP of that particular business, which worked out really well for me, was that the government gave every single elderly person who was in long-term residential care a budget to keep them essentially neat and tidy. Of course, you're dealing with incontinence and you're dealing with elderly people and things. Um, and so each nursing home would have a budget that they had to spend. And if they didn't spend it, they lost it. So the idea was they all clicked on to the idea, well, spend more than we need and then we'll, we'll deliver. So I used to get these crazy calls to say, Nikki, we need you. Can you bring in your clothing? We've got $10,000 to spend and we need to get rid of it by whatever date. And I'd say, oh, okay, I can do that. So that was how that started. And it just grew arms and legs. You know, over time, the matrons or the staff of the care homes would get to know me. And then I became that, you know, you build up that rapport. And then they would say to me, can you get me this? Can you get me that? So by the time I had the business for 16 years, by the time I finished, I had vans all over um, the UK and I was... Um, supplying all sorts of care, disability aids, everything. So I've just that site, Nikki, can you get me? And I'd say, yeah, give me a week. I'll get your price and we'll get that order for you. And then I would go out and research and source that. So just became that real driver. And that was a fabulous business. So healthcare started off as clothing at 17 and then manifested into every supply that you could do for um for any of the care homes. So that was my first business. I love it. And and you then sold that business. Is that yeah, right? I decided after 16 years, 17 years, I was getting married. I, I, was, I was starting a family and I just decided that I'd, I'd taken it as far as I could personally take it. So I packaged it up, um, got it ready for sale, sold it, had a couple of years off, had my babies and everything and really enjoyed that. And um, yeah, that, that was a good business. I mean, to be honest, I remember thinking at the time of selling it, my God, I'm cutting off the head of the golden goose because it was a fabulous business. Um, I built it up. It was really profitable. It was nice. Um, and I'd learned on the job. My running a business, I learned all the things by making all the mistakes along the way and uh, coming out good at the end. So it was good. So sold through a broker and then had some babies. And I remember my second um, child, I was sitting home and watched something about um, the gold price had skyrocketed and whatever. So I remember jumping up, put the baby down, jumping up and doing some research and started another business called My Gold Party, which was a gold commodities um, trading business. So basically buying gold. Um, it was so how it would work was it was a My Gold Party was a business that would um, set up parties in people's homes. And the teenagers or uh, young adults would come and basically cash in granny's old heritage uh, gold that they had been left, that they wouldn't wear if they were dying. You know, it was just not their style. And they would trade that in for cash. And then they would either go out and buy a modern piece of jewellery or they would do something else with the cash. Um, and so I set up a, a, a grid there going into people's homes doing these gold parties. Um, and it was great. They, you know, they would come along, they would have some champagne, they would bring some gold. And it was probably the only, like a Tupperware style party, but it was a party. Oh, God! 
I love it. You need money if you didn't actually spend money. So uh, it took really, really well. And at that point, that was when the GFC had hit the UK. So everyone was really strapped for cash. Um, and so I had that business just in the right place at the right time, to be honest. Um, and it, it was fun. I had never done anything like that before. So I used to buy the gold and wait and hold and just watch the spot price. And then when the spot price went in, I'd phone the smelter, I'd lock in the price, and I'd send it all off to be melted down. And then, I love it. So that was a good fun business. Fabulous. And so did you end up selling that one too? Nick? I did. I did. I sold that one too. Um, and I actually sold that one because we got our visa for Australia probably about a year quicker than I thought. And uh, my husband phoned. We were just about to go holiday because we in Scotland, you need to go on holiday to find sun. So twice a year, you just go on a holiday and all you would do is just go somewhere where it was hot and, and sunny. You guys wouldn't really experience that. But And so, well, maybe you were going to Gold Coast or something. So what would happen with that was he phoned me and said, oh, we're just, uh, I've got good news, I've got bad news. And I said, okay. And he said, bad news is we're not going on holiday. And I oh. And he said, the good news is our visas come through. And we hadn't expected it that quickly. And we wanted that permanent permanent residency visa came through really quickly and uh, we thought okay so again I had to look at the business package it up get it ready for sale because you can you know you just don't want to shut down a very good business so yes. I did end up selling it to a lady who is still running it today I I, I understand and I'm doing very well yeah was- I love it and so what did you learn between selling a business from the first time to the second time and and now onwards you know what what do you feel because that's a very personal it's a very personal thing and I love the brokers so many brokers have come from building and then selling their own business. I love that. I just think that's amazing. But I'd love to hear, you know, you know what your personal experience had been, how it changed the two times and, and what it gave you moving forward to now. What I worked out was it's all very well to deal with the analyticals of the business. You know, the broker would come out and value my business. But at the end of the day, when the client came along, I ended up selling it. I sold the businesses for them because I would be chatting at the enthusiasm. I would tell them the pros and the cons in the business and I would show them around. And what I discovered wasn't quite good at this. Um, and I, I, although the broker, I, I didn't have a license or I couldn't do it myself, what I had watched was that I didn't feel, yes, the analytics and the finances and everything was fair enough, but the, the actual part was that people buy businesses, A, because they can see the advantage, but also that they have, it's the weirdest thing. I've never understood it, but they actually had to like the person they were buying from and vice versa. And mm-hmm. I don't really understand that because as you leave the business and you exit, you might never see them again. But <laughs> it, it, it's still a people business and people need to like people. And when there was that camaraderie or that that inclusion with people and you would give over your expertise and there was a trust built up, then that became a positive outcome. So I sold both my businesses very quickly um i had a couple of businesses in between um but these were that was the two significant ones that i kind of was the the start and the end um of my kind of career and uh i think people will always buy good quality businesses there's always businesses out there that are essentially sellable so yeah Mm. you know with me i knew how to i knew how to package it up to sell it i love it so um so i can hear very strong entrepreneurial theme here, Nikki. (laughs) And I feel, you know, a certain affinity to it because I just love everything to do with building a business and, of course, you know, selling and acquiring businesses, which is why I'm in this industry. And I think it does, this industry does attract 
people that love that, you know, love the love the finding the win-win. Um, and and I find in my practice of law that it really helps having a bit of an entrepreneurial side because you can see you can see the commercials a lot more clearly than if you're looking at it just from a black letter law, you know, analytical way. What what's your thoughts about that, Nikki? I do believe in entrepreneurial background. Look, yeah. there's two very different types of brokers. There's obviously your your analytic, your accountants who are very good at what you do, and then you've got your sales. And there's there's two very different sort of components with that. I always find that you know you either have one or the other in one aspect as your as your as your trait as being a good broker. Um, for me, I am sales. I understand business. I enjoy. I love looking at businesses. I love sniffing around businesses. And this job is the perfect job for doing that because you can get to see businesses. And sometimes you can go in with no understanding of that business and just learn and grow. And I think that's what's exciting about being a business broker is we get to see so many different opportunities and so many different ways that people are doing it, good, bad, and indifferent. And um, yeah, not all of them doing it well, but certainly everybody is doing it. And I think to have a goal is really important. So just having a go with these, I think anyone who sets up a business is having a go and I think that's to be um, rewarded. I love it. So that sort of leads me in a direction we and we must, we'll come back on track soon, but I'm loving this direction we're going in at the moment. I did warn you before we started, Nikki, that I'm terrible at sticking at a plan. We just, <laughs> I'm really interested to hear, you know, what you see are the key things that drive businesses that are easy to sell versus businesses that are harder to sell? Because I think that's really useful for business owners to understand. Well, the biggest part of it really now is businesses that are transferable. And a business will only be transferable if the owner has systemized that business that you or me or somebody else can buy that business. So obviously to have processes and procedures put in place that we can go in, yes, we can have a training, yes, we can we can have a handover period, but essentially the business has to be able to be run. And there's too many people who, yes, personality is important, but they are too personalized within their business. Mm. Essentially, they are the business. So when it comes to selling it, if that person leaves, what happens to that business? It diminishes. So the successful businesses are the ones that have put their systems in place. They've got a good, strong management structure. And solid management structures are always going to be the way where the business can go into any hands. So it can be an investor, it can be private equity, it can be a fund, it can be anything. But if the person is too involved, entrenched in the business, it's very, very hard to not think that that business might diminish if that owner leaves. So setting up the business that anyone can run it, setting it up with management structure, under a management system, and just making sure that you, you build in technology these days. The businesses that have the technology that everything is systemized are definitely easier to go into new hands. Yeah. And I always say this, but the irony is that the best businesses to sell are also the best businesses to run. I know my listeners will just be so bored with me saying it, but isn't it the truth though? You know, I just, I really do, I do find that. So we've talked about some of the key things 
I guess, for businesses to think about to make themselves valuable at sale. Maybe if we can go back to the point that you have found out that you can come to Australia, you've sold your business. So what happened when you got here in Australia and how is it that you ended up in the world of business broking? Well, okay, so it is a funny story. I I arrived in Australia, decided that I would just, instead of jumping into something, I would just watch the landscape and learn how you did things. I mean, even plastic money and you know, the economy and everything else was very different here. Really? Um, uh-huh. Yeah, the UK was in GFC. It mm. was everybody was struggling. It was just a very poor um, economy at the time. And over here, I remember coming over here and having the best laugh because um, students were telling me that, oh, things are tight and we're, we're feeling the GFC and we're doing whatever. And yet everyone was still going um, to like the top restaurants for like three course business lunches and that had all nothing like that was happening in the UK everything was wow. being dumbed down um, so anyway I arrived here I decided that I wanted to dabble in property it was always a I call it my expensive hobby I'd always bought and bought business uh, bought property and uh, renovated or rented out or flipped or sold and it was just it was almost a hobby with healthcare business because I made some really good money and every year I would buy a property and I would do it up and I would scratch that itch of something that was creative for me and it you know and, and I would decide the value it decide whether to keep it or flip it or rent it out or whatever and I've still got a portfolio in the UK now so anyway I decided I'd go into the real estate license um, and get that and I went into the colleges here and about halfway through the course which we think was a seven-week course I'm sitting there going all right okay we never had to do any courses in the UK to do property um, I heard about the opens that were being done at the weekend. And I literally had this definitive moment where I went, hold on, stop. What do you mean? <laughs> the weekend? This is a home and away lifestyle. I'm looking to be spending time on the beach with my kids at the weekend. What's this all about? And they said, oh, no, you have to work as a real estate agent. You have to work all weekend. Um, at thing. And I thought, no. And my next question was, well, what else can I do on this license? Well, commercial or you can do business sales. Great. I'll do business sales. I get that. I just sold a business. I've just sold a couple of businesses. I know what they do. I will go into that. Um, So I went to a few brokerage firms um, here in Adelaide, and they were not keen to take on an inexperienced female business broker. Um, One finally did agree to take me on as a trainee. So I've got my start, which thank you very much. But that was a little bit difficult. I went round all of them um, to see if I could get a start. And uh, at the time, I don't think there were any female business brokers in Adelaide. So that was was interesting. Yeah, that was a that was a real learning curve. Anyway, Mm. I started with them, got some business sales, general business sales under my belt, really enjoyed it because I could put myself in the shoes of the buyer and the seller because I'd been in that scenario so I kind of mm. understood both sides and certainly the emotional roller coaster that it can be for a buyer and a seller mm. um, so that was quite interesting and then um, I moved to a new firm and I was working with a bunch of really established brokers brokers that had been brokers for 25-30 years and as the new kid I couldn't get any decent listings because everything was getting snapped up uh, they were all over it. They were covered. They had the experience and whatever. And I, I remember sitting in the office one day and thinking, okay, you lot, what do you not want? And <laughs> one of the things that they didn't want, everyone threw to the side was the hair and beauty industry. They were not interested in it. Um, and I thought, okay, let's play to my strengths. I'm the only female business broker. My mum actually was a hairdresser who had about three or four hair salons. So I understood that business from growing up 
in you know yeah. in my younger years and I decided I'll take it on and I'll own it and that was really what I set out to do so that was the strategy with salons I'll take something that nobody wants mm. and I'll make sun out of it you know I'll make I'll make um a good situation out of it so that was it I worked hard I invested heavily I pushed um I saw the gap in the market and I maneuvered around that and basically I just threw everything at it and eventually that started to take some legs and people would start to find me and come to me and say oh you must be the girl that I need to speak to because you've got all of these listings and um every time I see you your name comes up and it, it started to evolve. It took a while, but it did start to evolve and all the hard work paid off. Um, and that's how we got into I got into doing hair and beauty specifically was just because nobody else wanted it. And I thought, fine, let's get going. Let's do it. Um, I then honed my craft. I got really slick at the questions. I got really slick at my industry. I learned the benchmarks. I knew exactly when somebody told me how many staff, what they should be making. And then when they told me what they were making, I would say, well, you shouldn't be doing this. This is where you need to be. And I really just knew the benchmarking within that industry and I got to know it really, really well. I love it. So so what do you say some of your secrets then to success so far have been in niching and specialization and deep it, understanding? It got me started, yes, absolutely. So specialization was just it, how it happened. I, I am a general broker. I can sell any business, but I just, as I say, I needed to get some stock. I needed to get some listings. You don't make any money in this business unless you have listings. And mm. I had to fight through everyone else who already had positioning, understood still market better than me, understood, you know. So I, I, I went after sound and um, that worked. That really worked. And it became obvious. I kind of carved a, a name for myself and somebody one day called me the queen of salon sales. <laughs> and I kind of cringed when I heard that. And then I kind of thought, let's actually just roll with it. So I used it as my strap, my, my tagline. I love it. It became part of my logo and I just, I knew that I'd learned the formula to get this stuff done. I was appraising businesses, understood the strengths and weaknesses of these businesses and um, and and that was that. And you asked about my secret. The secret that I feel with business broking is too many brokers take a deal and then once they've got it under contract, they leave it be. And I never ever worked like that. I had mm. a giant scoreboard in my office and I would touch points the first thing I did every morning was I project all my deals and I could have eight to 12 deals running at the same time now with that you've got buyer seller solicitors landlords and management agents you would have all of that to deal with and so I would spend most of every morning hitting project managing or what I call deal managing every single one of those deals I spoke to somebody in those deals every single day to keep that deal alive until I got it to the point where I got it over the line. And I think that's really important because we get a lot of businesses that fall over. And I think that might be my point of difference. I, I was just on it. Yeah. And you had a process. Do you know what? I'm hearing here you've got a process and yeah, you're tenacious and you understood business. There was a system. It had a structure. I followed structure. I had a, I, I just had a plan on how to do it and it became pretty slick. And it got to the point I could manage multiple deals. Uh, at some point, I did have the, you know, steam coming out of my ears, but there was definitely <laughs> uh, every single deal would have an issue at some point. I, you know, they would fall apart. I'd put it back together again. But certainly yeah. I knew what the issues were going to be before they actually manifested being an issue. Yeah. So that way, 
I was always one step ahead of the deal. So knowing this is a problem and this is going to come up, how do I jump in now and fix that? So I think that might be the only thing that I can say um, Mm. that was particularly a secret. Yeah, well, and tenacious. Tenacity. I can hear a lot of that, Nikki. I can hear a lot of tenacity. (laughs) To get a deal done in the first place and get it under contract, but there was no way I was letting that go. So, yes. I mean, that's the thing that that's the tough thing, but, uh, but I guess also, you know, that's the benefit for the, the end customer, which is your sellers, right? That you're generally speaking for brokers, you get most of your remuneration at the end when the deal's done, but then that makes you, you know, the, the, uh, one of the people uh, over and above the seller themselves most invested in getting it all across the line, which I, you know, which I think can be a great thing. Yes, that's the investment in it. You don't get paid until the thing settles, complete, and the solicitor calls you and says, that's it done. And mm. until that moment, it's not done. You're still mm. working right up. And I, I have pulled deals out of the bag. Like, I cannot tell you scenarios that I have you know, the sweat is on at the last minute and there's an issue and you've just got to jump in and fix it. And and I actually quite like that adrenaline um, run. I get on that. That's kind of, for me, the game. The game of the industry is that winning that and making sure that I, despite all the problems that have come up, um, so I guess it's kind of beating down all the obstacles in your way. And for me, that challenge, sense of blood pumping, it's great. Well, I I have to I I really have to identify with what you're talking about here because I I'm a hundred percent the same. I mean, there really is you know the energy when you're in a deal, and then when there's issues that are coming up and you can solve them, you know. And I think that, that's the secret to good broking is to actually be able to look outside the box. Like not yeah. all deals are cut and dried; they have to be done in a certain way. And to be honest. You know, the way it works, you've got to have the buyer and the seller in order to get that deal done. Everybody has to be happy with what is in the play. Yeah. And so it's it's just continually keeping that communication going, making sure that everyone's on track. And also, you know, fear of a better word, kicking everyone's ass to make sure they keep moving and they keep yes. doing what they yes. yeah. Sometimes, you know, halfway through, buyers can lose momentum and interest sellers can be over it because it's you know it's an artist's job yes situation that they're in they're on this roller coaster sometimes they lose steam and you know keeping on landlords to do what you need them to do when you need them to do it sorry Joanna but solicitors needing oh I get it all of those other ones of course but yes (laughs) we deal with them all the time too I totally get it (laughs) it's keeping that momentum going and making sure that you're constantly driving it and Maybe that's, yeah, tenacity. That's probably one word. Look, I'm totally with you. I completely agree. There's a number of things that you've talked about, the the deal managing, keeping on top of everyone and keep it moving and, you know, the the importance of really moving while you've got that motion in the deal, you know, because once it starts to slow, that can be a real problem to get it sped up again. And the emotional roller coaster, I am... you know, it is one of the things that I think is very overlooked. But I just think being aware of the emotional roller coaster for both the buyer and seller is critical in terms of you being able to jump on issues in advance, be ready for them, as as you're saying, be able to be a bit proactive. Real good cop, bad cop in some scenarios. You know, sometimes I've had people in tears and emotionally 
erect because of other things that are going on. You know, people yeah. are businesses because of various life-changing experiences and, and they've had to, or, you know, whether that's retirement, exit plan, whether that's, um, you know, sickness or, or just a change in their circumstances. And so we're dealing with the emotions that are coming with that. It's not just them selling the business. It's everything that's going on in their life. And mm. sometimes, you know, it, it can be quite um, bit crazy. Well, that's it for this episode of the Deal Room Podcast, where we talked all about the secrets to success in selling businesses, of course, with the fabulous Nikki Katz. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic, then head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com, where you'll be able to download a transcript of this podcast episode if you're one of those people who just like to read these things in more detail. There, of course, you'll be able to find details of how to contact Nikki Katz directly. You'll also find details of how to contact our legal eagles at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. Now, don't forget to tune in next week as we head to part two of this two-part series where Nikki discusses the gaps in the market the importance of setting up a system for sale and drilling into common mistakes of sellers when they're putting a business up for sale. So we have all of that and more in part two of our two-part series. Hope to see you on that session. And of course, if you enjoyed what you heard, don't forget to go to your favorite podcast player, hit that subscribe button, and maybe also leave us a review. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.